Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today I have one of the most amazing interviews we've done on this show. We have none other than Sanaa Lathan coming in to talk to us about everything that's going on, her new projects, etc. But before we get to uh, Sanaa, I want to talk about the looming eviction crisis. In case you missed it, the National Eviction Moratorium ended on July 31st, which was this past Saturday. For over a year, as a result of COVID relief legislation, there's been a moratorium on evictions. Most of you all understand that the justification was pretty obvious. During a pandemic, with far-reaching economic implications, Americans' ability to pay their rent was constrained. Add in a pandemic that is now re-emerging, you'll have potentially millions of Americans facing eviction right when we're facing the very real threat of the Delta variant forcing closures and other dramatic measures becoming a reality again. So it begs the question why a Democratic administration, a Democratic House, and a Democratic Senate couldn't get this done when we've known for some time that July 31st would be the expiration date. The answer, unsurprisingly, is moderate Democrats who wanted this moratorium to lapse. And to add insult to injury, of the $46 billion allocated for rental assistance across the country, only about $3 billion of it has actually been allocated. This is a failure that we can't blame on Republicans. And moderate House Democrats decided to leave town instead of a vote to extend the moratorium. So this is yet another issue where I'm asking my Democratic friends what we intend to do in 2022 when we ask people who've been hanging on by a thread to vote Democratic again, when the justice issues like voting rights and police reform remain unresolved, and things like eviction moratoriums are allowed to lapse. When there's no Trump on the ballot to blame, Democrats have to show and prove in 2022. And shame on us if we don't fix this ASAP. And that's that on that. Now on to the amazing Sinai Lathan. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. You know, usually when when I start my show, I have my guests introduce themselves to our listeners, but you're Sanaa Lathan, so people already know you, <laughs> but they might not know what first inspired you to get into a career in acting in the first place. Talk about the moment when you realized that acting was your calling, and what keeps you motivated to do more projects after so many mm. successful roles? Wow, that's a good question. Um, so I grew up in the business. My father was arguably one of the first 
or the first Black director in TV. He came up in a time where there were no opportunities for Black people in uh, communications. And it was right during the, um, you know, their Black Lives Matter time, you know, they're, they're coming back to their African roots and, and um, Black power movement. And they had to hire somebody. And he was one of the first people that kind of broke into TV because of that movement. So I was raised in the business. My mother was uh, with the original Alvin Ailey company. She was on in the original Wiz on Broadway in the chorus. Um, so I grew up, you know, on sets, behind the scenes in Broadway theaters, toddling around. I was always around it. I was always performing just because it was my family. And because of that, weirdly, I said to myself, I wanted to be a lawyer. I did not want to go into the business because, of course, kids always go against what their parents do. Right. It's not cool. Um, There's still time, by the way. You still can come. I mean, I don't recommend it. But you can. <laughs> exactly. So I went to UC Berkeley undergrad, um, majored in English lit and African-American studies minor and got involved in a group called Black Theater Workshop where we uh, put on plays by Black authors. And I loved it so much. And um, at the time, I was kind of lying to myself, saying that I wanted to be a lawyer and go to law school. I had an internship at a law firm. At the same time, Yale School of Drama came to our theater group and basically said to us, there was a, it was a minority recruiter. I don't know if they even have that anymore, but <laughs> said, you know, statistically, people of color don't consider graduate schools in the arts. And so she was basically coming to encourage us to audition. And I swear, it's just such a crazy thing. I swear, because she came, I auditioned. Because in my mind, I was like, okay, I, if I can get into a school like this and really get an education, I'll go for it. But I wasn't going to, if I didn't get in, I don't know that I would be an actress now. I don't know, because it was almost like getting in, you know, you do 30 plays in three years. And I really, really kind of developed my love and my craft for acting. It was almost like that made the decision for me. And I quickly realized after interning at a law firm that that wasn't for me. It did not bring me joy. (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you this. With your parents being such luminaries in the industry, and I had Jamie Hector on the show recently, who is just so deep as well. But do you feel a certain responsibility with your craft? Are there certain roles that you won't take? How do you evaluate them? And then how do you carry that mantle of the way or the image that you portray on screen is the image that people see of black women throughout the world or diaspora? Well, it's it's a it's a double edged thing, because first of all, my dad when I told him I wanted to be an actress, literally cried. He was like, I don't care how talented you are, what you look like. It is so, and he knew he's like, it is to be an actress in this business is constant abuse. And to be a black actress in this business, he just did not. He was so upset. And, um, so wait a minute. He, uh, you confused me. He cried in happiness or he cried in despair? No, he was despair. He did not <laughs> want his baby to subject herself to that because he, he was on the other side of it. He yeah. knew. And so he knew for real. And um, and he also knew what I mean, I'm not putting words in his mouth or yours, but he knew what 
white directors have been getting away with for the longest period of time. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, opportunities and anyway, so, but then he quickly came around and then showed up to every play I ever did and became my, you know, the president of my fan club. So that was great. But in terms of choices and image, I try for me, the human condition, beautiful thing for me, my bar is more about quality of writing or if I respect my collaborators or if I've done something, I haven't explored this type of character. I would like to play the whole spectrum of, you know, the human condition. I don't believe I'm an artist. I don't believe in, Oh, I'm a politician and I just have to play educated, you know, healthy people. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You want to pay, you want to play every, every, the, the entire spectrum. That makes perfect exactly. sense. And there's like, there, you know, there is a, a tendency to, you see it um, where now, because we're being more conscious about roles, then all of a sudden black people are morally perfect. You know, they want to, yes. there's a lot, there's a stereotype in the opposite way. I got you. Whereas I feel like, if we are really being fair, we're, we're going to see the, the range of human experience uh, in terms of characters of color. That brings me to uh, Hit and Run, and we're going to play the trailer. If you have to move to New York. It's just an audition. I probably won't even get the job. There'll be tons of dancers auditioning. You'll get it. You're amazing. Bring something from New York? Of course. <laughs> Do you love me? More than anything. We'll probably do a small memorial in New York. We'd love for you to be there. Of course. It's good to see you, Segev. What are you doing here? Someone killed my wife. I need to find some answers. No. Seemed her death was an accident at first. But now he thinks there's more to the story. It's time we start investigating your wife. They're coming after me and after my family. This is bigger than you. She's really ruined your life. I hope she was worth it. When are we coming back? I can't go home yet. Something tells me you should. For everybody's sake. What's it about and what first jumped out at you when you saw this script and jumped out about the role of Naomi Hicks that made you want to take on this role? What part of that human condition made you want to say this? I want to be Naomi. Yeah, it was a full circle. It was like a total holistic decision in that I love the script. I was a fan of the script. I read the first four scripts in one sitting. Um, It was entertaining to me. It was a page turner and I was mad that I had to wait to find out what happened. (laughs) And so for me, just that experience, people don't realize how those, those kind of scripts that really are gripping on the page are not the scripts that you necessarily get every day. You know, those are the scripts that you wait for. And so just that alone was exciting to me. The fact that I was working with um, creators of the, you know, the killing and Fauto, 
which I was a fan of. And Fauda is the one of the dopest series I've ever seen. So FYI. Yes. And my mother was a fan of Fauda before I even knew about Fauda. Um, I had a friend who had seen it three times. And so all of those things play into it. The fact that I was going to be in New York for in the fall. And this was pre pandemic, you know, back in those days. <laughs> back when you back could go out, you could touch folks. That's right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so all of those things played into it. And I just, and I love the idea of this investigative reporter who, you know, she was kind of, she's kind of stagnant in her life and she, she's wanting some kind of breath of fresh air in her career and in her marriage. And in comes this past person who she had a relationship many years ago and enlists her to help find his killer. I mean, his wife's killer. And so it's just a, it's a fun thriller that I think the audiences are going to be uh, on the edge of their seats for. What is something about Naomi without spoiling uh, anything, but what's something about Naomi that jumps off the screen that's different uh, in playing Naomi than any of your previous roles that you played? Mm-hmm. Well, Naomi is, um, in a weird way, I feel very much, I was able to really identify with her because the whole journalist aspect, the more research I did into that was, oh. That's your lawyer background. You got your lawyer background, background too. Huh? But that's also the actor. That's the actor. You, you want, for me, the fun of acting is stepping into different perspectives and kind of find, trying to find the truth. Same kind of thing with investigative journalism. One other thing that I thought was really interesting that we touch on very lightly, but it was fun to kind of do this research is that she's a black Jew. And there's plenty of African-American Jews, black Jews all around the the world. And we don't really get to see that. Correct. And so um, I talked to a woman named um, Yavila McCoy, who is a black woman who's a third generation black Jew, um, lives in Crown Heights, was like the black girl in her all Hebrew schools. And she's now a big advocate for Jews of color and just educating people around the world. So love that aspect mm. of it. That's interesting. I mean, you, you are playing the entire condition and the entire diaspora too. So that's pretty dope. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, You're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello 
help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You've done network television, but as more and more people have now turned to streaming services, uh, services like Netflix, Mm -hmm. and are diving head into series like Hit and Run, can you talk about how the landscape has changed? I mean, you've done, you know, everything, but the the marketplace has changed. It's just isn't network, cable, and film, but you also now have these new streaming services. How has that changed the dynamic or has it changed it from your perspective? And by the way, I watched Space Jam this weekend uh-huh. and I watched it. I watched it on HBO Max. I didn't even go to a theater. I mean, yeah. it was just, it's just different. Talk Talk about that change and how does that affect you from your perspective in your art? Well, I just think for... For everybody, there's more opportunity, whether that's behind the scenes or in front of the camera. Um, I'm happy for us, for people of color, because now, because of the times, because of Black Lives Matter, I'm seeing, and because of Time's Up, we are having real, it's, it's slow, and it's st- there's still so much work to be done. But when I was coming up, there were, you, I knew all my all my people who were working, you know, five, you could count them on one hand. Yeah. And now I don't know the names of, I'll be like, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? And it's, it, to me, that's great. Cause there's just more, because there's more content, there's more opportunity all around. For me personally, it's, gets confusing when I turn on the TV. Sometimes I'm like, there's, it's almost like there's too much. <laughs> I just want to know what I should be watching. Um, it definitely is a different world. I think that, you know, there's so much that it, there probably will be things that come and go faster because the competition yeah. is so fierce. Uh, We've seen that. We've seen series that we love and we have. Yeah. By the way, just just random, random. I, I've been watching Sex Life on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen that yet. I heard you, so you're watching porn. <laughs> I'm not gonna get into my, my I ain't gonna get into my private habits, but this is <laughs> but I am watching Sex Life is good though. I hope it stays around. You should let me tell you if you're looking for something to watch. Because um you're the third person who told me to watch it. And um and it's been, every time I turn on Netflix, it's in the top ten. So I'm gonna check it out. It reminds me kind of eerily. Like about it? it reminds me of my wife's gonna kill me, but it reminds me of like when you uh, when you go to a HBCU homecoming. I went to Morehouse, and when mm-hmm. you go to homecoming, um, and you just and this isn't me per se, but these are what friends say. But when you see somebody that you used to have a good relationship with, yeah. or used to have fun with, and she's with her significant other or has a family, and there's like an eye contact or something like that, it's just that whole type of vibe or feeling. Right. Oh, to so, it the, that, the, so the people who are together in it are not married they're 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 like they're, from their they're married but they but there's there's somebody who enters the picture from her past oh, and that's drama and that's all she she wants to have that feeling again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so i mean it's, it's worth it i mean you know check it out but, i will re- no but you lit up <laughs> you lit up when you said that okay i'm i'm definitely i'm gonna look at it today Later and today. tell me what tell me what you think about it. But will. when will when will Hit and Run air and how can listeners watch it? It will air August 6th, which is right around the corner. What it, 
like in a couple of weeks, right? Like two, yeah, weeks, two, weeks. two and a half weeks. Um, when we air, we got, I think we're running this on like the fifth though. So it's going to air this week. It'll so. air this week. It'll <laughs> air tomorrow. And um, it will be uh, on Netflix. I'm excited Hopefully about this. I'm a, top 10. Hopefully it'll be, it always, you know, I always check out what's in the top 10 to see what people are watching. So that's cool. No, it'll definitely be in the top 10. It'd be number one in the world. This is, I mean, people really? have a cult follow. I love oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, but people are going to be like, let me let me check out that new Sonia Latham project. But one of the right. things that I've been interested in, not just that, but you announced earlier this year that you'll be making your directorial debut in mm-hmm. On the Come Up. What's the film about and why did you choose? I mean, who's the best director in the family? That's the question. <laughs> There's no competition. That's my mentor. That's my, you know, that's my dad. Um, oh, he go look, he's going to look at this film with a different lens. Acting is one thing, but now he's going to be like, you missed, a, you missed have, that. How you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's interesting because I just feel like life has just been pushing me in that direction. I, before I admitted to myself that I wanted to act, I said that I was going to get my law degree and just like be a, a lawyer. And that, you know, when you're a kid, you just say you're going to be everything. And I said, I'm going to be a director eventually like my dad and kind of just let that go when acting kind of, I've got on that acting road and just over the years, I mean, after being on so many sets, I have become mentors to directors. I was asked to do the, um, Sundance Directors Lab as a mentor and mentor directors. I've worked with so many first-time directors who I'm on set with, who I'm actually guiding them. And so then you realize, okay. And I did a short during the pandemic with, uh, it's part of this company called Maven Pictures, kind of like wanted to do a short about the pandemic. And so they went out to a bunch of different people. Julianne Moore did one, Rosie Perez did one, Deborah Winger Mm. asked me to do one. And I directed uh, a short in my house during the pandemic with me and my dog. I starred in it, directed it with like a two-person crew. And it's about a Zoom therapist who has OCD and panic disorder clients, but she also has OCD and panic disorder. So it's a very quirky kind of offbeat short, but it came out pretty great. And, and it just was kind of like, it was like one of those things that just, I don't, it, it, I didn't even, it wasn't a conscious thing. Like I'm going to direct this in order to open that directing door, but it did. And because of that, I've been kind of looking at directing opportunities and this came through and it is based on an Angie Thomas YA novel called On the Come Up. She First of all, Angie, Angie Thomas is one of the dopest she's writers. So I mean, dope. She is. Yeah. Uh, so it was like one of those things where I was like, OK, this is even better than I could have dreamed. It's the second book after The Hate You Give. People probably mm-hmm. remember the movie, The Hate You Give. It's the same producers. And it's about a 16-year-old freestyle rapper who is finding her own voice. And it's written by Kay Yoyagan, who is a, a great writer, great script. And so we're, you know, we're, you guys will see that sometime, you know, coming soon. We're, we're, <laughs> we're in pre-production for it. And it's, it's great. And so tell me this. I mean, are you going to... And I don't, I don't want to try to break news here, but are you are you migrating to that to that realm of directing? Will you be taking limited acting roles or are you just going to do both? How do you see yourself balancing that? Yeah, I think we're in a time now. Like, I think when I was coming up, you had to choose. And now 
And I don't feel like as humans, we have to choose. It's just kind of what we've been taught. But now, you know, you see these people who are triple threats, who are, you know, being able to juggle it all. And so I, I love acting. I feel like I'll be like, you know, Ruby D, you know, I'll be acting till I'm 90, you know, I don't <laughs> want to stop. It's just, it's part of, I feel like my life purpose. And so for me, it's more about thinking of myself as a storyteller. So whether that's through acting or directing, you know, bring it on. So let me ask you this question. Now you just mentioned Ruby D and, and you know, this, this platform that I'm on has just been awesome. And one of the most amazing privileges that I've had was uh, I interviewed Cicely Tyson. Mm. I was the last interview Cicely Tyson oh. did before she passed away. By the way, I don't know if you read her book or not, but I have it. I will. Uh, yeah, her I know book it's, was, it's juicy. It's juicy. I mean, <laughs> she goes into her and her and Miles Davis, and it's 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 a lot. But who did you who did you look up to, or who do you look up to, either um, older or younger, not not including mm-hmm. your mother or father, that helped you? Um, get started or they keep you going in this? Not including my mother and father. Cause I would say my mother and father, of course, I, I, mean, I yeah. grew up in the business. It's like, it's kind of cool because I was around, I don't care about celebrity. I grew up around them. I know it's, they're not any better or worse. They're just people. And so because of that, really like people like my mother and father who have persevered through so much and still are, have joy in their heart. That's the biggest thing. But there's people like you know, Gina Prince Bythewood. She is one of my closest friends. And also, you know, uh, I am calling her for about we're best. We're best friends. We, we are. You are? It's, on, it's on Twitter, but we're still best friends. Okay? <laughs> I love her. And she's, she's, like, she's my sister. We were collaborators. Yeah. And also, you know, now that I'm entering to this directing world, I call her all the time. And so that's great. Um, you know, there's so many women around me, my peers, who I'm just inspired by, from Regina King to Kerry Washington to Regina Hall, Nia Long. I mean, just, I'm just inspired by, I'm just yeah. surrounded by such queens. And just to say, yeah, I, love, they, I love them. I love them all. You yeah. just went down a list. I mean, your whole, I mean, that's like the yeah. best draft class of acting comparing it to the NBA. That's like the, the epitome of just greatness right there. All of you all. Thank you. So you're having a busy 2021 in addition to hit and run and your work on on the come up. You're about to play a recurring role in secession. What can you say about your role in secession and when will season three air? I can't say nothing. I can't say anything. They are not. I am under lock and key. That was fun. It was it was a it was different. <laughs> her, her her response was, "What's your I'm role?" Scared. That was fun. That fun. was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun to get to play with those with the, um, with that great writing and those great actors. And you know, I um just it's just so it, it was. Man, look, we want you back for four two. I don't know if you're gonna be back, so we ain't gonna mess it up for you. Okay, so we gonna yeah, don't we mess gonna it up move. for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it 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 was. It's interesting because I wasn't familiar. Obviously I'd heard of it, but I had never watched the show before I got the offer. And it was at the end of last year that um, I had to go to New York. And that was pretty much, we were still really very much in the, like right, either right out of the quarantine or it was just, it was scary, but that's how much I responded to the show when I watched it. I was like, I gotta, I gotta go and, and do this. So yeah, I you know it's fun. It was fun to play with such good 
lesbians. Like those are like some real actors. This, I mean, this is you got a career in politics the way you you are just kind of nuanced in this answer. I like it. Yeah. See, I'm giving you an answer, but not giving you an answer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So look, before I get you out of here, my listeners would hate me if I didn't ask you this. And it's kind of kind of crazy how uh, things work. But uh, later today, I'm actually interviewing Omar Epps as well. Oh, tell him uh, I send my love and say hi. Send a I will. I will. Uh, but when I was in college, I'm reliving my college days on this call with you mm-hmm. today. But when I was in college, every movie mm-hmm. uh, that you put on when you had a date was Love and Basketball. Mm-hmm. It never, never failed. That was before Netflix and chill. It was Love and, Bas- <laughs> it was love and Basketball and pray, and, and pray for something good to happen. So, uh, you know, everybody between the ages of 30, every male particular between the ages of 30 and 45 loves you. But at the time that you did the film, did you realize that it would become a cult classic that it became? And what do you think of it now as you reflect on the film now, almost 21 years since it's been released? Hmm. I just, you know, it's I don't think about it. I, I am forced to think about it because people love it so much. I give thanks every day. But and when I was doing it, it was a job that I I got a great role and I was like, yes. And I had no idea that it was I just wanted to get through it because it was very mm. You know, it was grueling the basketball part of it for me. And I just wanted to do such a good job. You know, I wanted to come off. So I was kind of scared through the whole thing. But for for us to be talking about it this many years later, it's a part of the Criterion Collection now. I just did a big interview for that. Um, What's that? What's the Criterion Criterion Collection is like, you know, the stamp of like some of the greatest films ever made. Oh, yes, it belongs there. And so and so it's great to get that validation. And it's just. That's what you want. You want your work to touch people. I want my work to touch people, not just in the moment, but like if, it, if they can come back to it and it give them some kind of relief or an entertainment, anything, then I've done my job. So because of Twitter, <laughs> I get to see, I get to know every time it's on TV, which is all the time. People still buy your jerseys and stuff. I know. Halloween. <laughs> so it's nice and yet you know it's great well i just want to say thank you for taking some time out with me today on the bakari sellers podcast thank you for joining us and this year is going to be amazing for you i look forward to not just yeah. this directorial debut but the next one that Aww, you have coming thank you. and everything you have to come thank you so much for joining thank us. you bakari this is fun have a great day you too That was another great episode of Bakari Sellers Podcast. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Before I let you go, I wanted to talk briefly about Russell Westbrook. That's right. They traded Cal Kuzma and I don't know what else, a, a few canned goods to the Washington Wizards. And they got Russell Westbrook. So now your starting lineup looks like LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Davis. That is a true big three that can compete with Harden, Irving, and Durant. Now, I know we're getting way, way, way ahead of ourselves, but not only is that a, of a hell of a Christmas Day game, but it's also a hell of an NBA Finals. I remind you guys, LeBron James deserves all of his flowers. We're watching one of the greatest basketball players to ever play the game in the final years of his career. So enjoy it. He also deserves super teams because we forget that LeBron James took Danielle Marshall, Sasha Pavlovich, uh, Eric Snow to the NBA Finals. So give him AD, give him Russell Westbrook. The Lake Show is back, and it's going to be fun to watch. 
And that's that on that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Thursday.